Welcome to the Prodigy Maker Show with Chris Lewitt. Chris Lewitt is an internationally recognized high-performance coach, educator, and author of two best-selling books, The Tennis Technique Bible and The Secrets of Spanish Tennis. The show can be watched live, and video versions of the show are archived at youtube.com forward slash Chris Lewitt. And now, here's Chris. It's the Prodigy Maker Show, episode 58, with yours truly, Chris Lewitt. Happy holidays, everybody. Looking forward to a great show. We're going to talk about Spanish footwork and particularly Spanish positioning and how to teach it. And we can go into some of the details about how to take the ball on the rise or and or how to take the ball on the fall. And I think that's very interesting, especially from a Spanish point of view. But so I, I wanted to talk about footwork and how it's taught in Spain as compared to the U.S. and other countries and the different philosophies that are out there. And I'm happy to take your questions on that. Footwork is one of the things that I really love to teach and to not only to students, but to coaches as well. I've done a number of workshops on footwork, especially Spanish footwork and movement, but I consider myself an expert on that topic and I love to work on that with juniors. I'm very proud that when players come to me, and if they spend uh, any significant amount of time with me, I get them to flow and move better on the court with more rhythm, uh, better balance, quickness and agility. And uh, that will help players become more consistent. And that is part of the Spanish way, is to help players move with more balance and flow, uh, which, which contributes to their consistency. So the ultimate goal with a young player, especially a uh, junior development players to build up their consistency and footwork is a very big part of that. So I spend a significant amount of my time on the court with young juniors um, and sometimes serious adults, but primarily juniors working on that aspect of their game. So if you have any questions about how to develop good footwork, uh, how to develop good positioning, how where should your players stand, should they stand deeper near the back fence or should they stand right up close to the line and take the ball early that's kind of what this show is about and what i want you know some of the areas i wanted to touch on so if you're tuning into the show live if you happen to catch the show live we're doing the show live on youtube now feel free to uh, send me uh, any comments or questions and i'll be happy to answer those and if you catch the show on a replay you can always reach out to me via email or via comment you can comment on the show and i answer all the comments personally on the youtube channel so I'd be happy to help you that way as well. Happy holidays. It's an exciting time. I'll be, I'll be heading to Florida soon with my family and also teaching in Fort Lauderdale. So guys, if you happen to live in Florida, if you're taking a vacation in Florida, if you'd like to come down to a beautiful area in Fort Lauderdale and train with me, I will be training a number of players privately and also setting up sparring sessions in um, the week following Christmas. So starting December 27th, I'll be there for about a week. And I'm trying to get to Florida about once a month right now. Sometimes it ends up being once every six weeks or so to train players who I have down there who I'm working with in Florida and also players who are visiting Florida who want to meet up with me there by the beach. So that's a nice option if you don't want to come to the cold mountains of Vermont here and train at the club with me in Manchester, Vermont, you can train with me by the beach, which is not a bad option. 
I will tell you though, right now, the weather here in Manchester, Vermont is absolutely beautiful, about uh, high 50s and sunny. So we're getting a really nice, uh, nice weather this week in Vermont. I think all the ski mountains are not happy that the weather turned and became so warm here. But let's talk about footwork the Spanish way. What about on the rise and on the fall? What do you guys think? When you have a young junior, how should you teach them first? Should you teach them to take the ball early and on the rise? Or should you teach that player to move back and let the ball drop? So I've gone through some iterations of this over the years. When I was a younger coach, I trained with a big mentor of mine, Gilad Bloom, very brilliant Israeli coach. Any of you guys who followed me know that um, I have a lot of respect for Gilad. And Gilad Bloom always used to teach his young prodigies, and he had a lot of young prodigies. He would teach them to take the ball early on the rise, and he felt that was the best way to start a kid. So every young kid, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten years old, they would be taking the ball right up off the baseline, super early, you know, aggressive uh, court position, taking the ball between the ankles and the knees in terms of height and really attacking the ball with the feet, taking the ball super early. And at that time, I just taught the way that Gilad taught. I was injured. I, I was training for the pro circuit and I got injured. So I ended up, during the time that I was injured, I would just kind of hit for Gilad and, and sit and watch all his lessons. And the guy was, the guy was a genius. The guy had an amazing coach. And I had so much, I still have so much respect for him. And I was just trying to learn how to coach the way he, he did back in the day. I was a young guy in my 20s, right? So he, that's how I taught. So I just taught the way Gilad taught because he was, he was to me, the best coach I've ever been around. And um, I felt that, that that's probably going to serve my students well. As I started traveling a lot in Spain and in Europe, I found another way, a different way to coach young kids, and that is moving back and letting the ball hit the apex of the bounce and then falling into the strike zone. And I, over the years, I've come to a place where I think that that's probably the best way to start kids out. So I'm uh, moving away from my initial mentor, the way Gilad used to do it. Uh, he may probably still does it this way. And I, I try to teach a little more the Spanish way to young kids, yet at the same time, at some point in their junior development, I'm going to give them some on-the-rise skills, uh, especially so they can deal with moon balls and high, uh, high topspin balls, things like that. So it's, um, I try to find a middle ground, but I really think this, the way the Spanish do it is... Uh, I think the, the best way for, for young children to learn because it's simple and it makes sense tactically and it teaches them to utilize the entire, the entire space of the court rather than just uh, hugging the baseline and making the court very small. As players become more advanced, it helps to shrink the court. Shrinking the court is a skill, uh, a tactical skill, and maybe that's a technical skill as well in terms of the footwork you need to do that. But it's it's a 
a real benefit. And uh, to me, it's like a higher level skill or tactic rather than something you would teach right away to uh, an introductory player who's still trying to learn their mechanics. And that's the other thing. I think it's a lot easier to learn good, correct biomechanics and technique if you are taking, giving yourself more time and moving back in the court, letting the ball bounce, letting it come up, hitting at the top at the apex or hitting it slightly uh, as it's coming down from the apex. To me, that's, it's much easier to learn good technique and mechanics that way. Easier for me to teach it. I've noticed I just over the years, I've just, you know, in the trenches, seeing that kids can learn more easily that way. If you try to teach them concurrently on the rise and uh, uh, new technical skills, like new, new strokes and things like that and different technical things, it's really, really hard for them to uh, learn both at the same time. In addition, I, I really emphasize topspin, you know, coming from a Spanish background, I really believe in developing topspin, not just technically, because technically if a player can produce good topspin, like like uh, head over heels topspin, like a bicycle tire, you know they're doing some good stuff with their swing path and with the mechanics of their swing. So for me, it's really important technically, but also, of course, tactically, you, you topspin to attack your opponent. It's a very good play. It's a, a classic play in Spain where players will use their, typically the forehand with a lot of topspin, to attack someone up high, so a high ball attack. For those two reasons, I think when you take the ball on the rise, especially young kids when they try to learn it, they actually re usually reduce their tops and they reduce the RPM that they're able to generate. So for all those reasons, I like to teach the more the Spanish positioning, uh, the more Spanish t letting the ball fall, hitting the ball at the top of the bounds and moving back in the court. Now, that may be controversial for some coaches, players, parents who are from places in the world that sort of favor uh, aggressive court position anywhere where there's fast courts. In the last podcast, we talked about how uh, different countries with fast courts often teach more aggressive movements to the net. And this, to me, is in the same vein. You have countries with fast courts and very aggressive philosophies and in, in those areas of the world, they teach players to take the ball on the rise and to stand real close to the baseline and hug the baseline. So what do you get when you teach a player that? Well, usually you get a player who is less consistent, not as consistent, a player who hits with less RPM, so they don't spin the ball as much because they're picking the ball up on the rise. It's harder to create spin. They don't play with as much shape. They don't use the high ball attack the way they do in Spain or in, in Argentina, you know, in, in some cl in clay court con dominated countries. Uh, and those players usually are less patient because they're always looking to go forward to the net. They're always looking to take that ball and, and uh, you know, rip it and run in or approach and run in. They're always trying to jump on those short balls. So there's, there's just a lot of sort of byproducts and related attributes that you see that I don't want in a young kid. What I... I want the Bruguera way. So Luis Bruguera with the young ones, he, he wants them to go deep, to go back. And it, it kind of looks bad. Like when I first saw it in Spain, I cringed. You know, like, like if Gilad saw what the kids were doing, he would cringe. He would be, he would be upset. He'd probably curse at those kids for, for moving so far back. Because it kind of looks like, I don't want to say moonballing, because we did a we did a podcast on Moon, a great podcast by the way, very popular podcast, guys. If you catch the 
the show on Moonballing. Uh, it's called Moonballers. A couple shows back. Awesome show. Uh, I've got a lot of funny stories about that show. Anyway, if you go to Spain and you see like, the little kids uh, grinding it out on the dirt, you see a lot of kids moving back. You know, you know, hit high ball, high ball, moving back, moving back. And they're really sometimes playing very, very deep, you know, 10, 15 feet deep into the court, into the backcourt, which may be hard to do in some places if you have like a bubble and the backcourt is, uh, is, there's not a lot of length back there. But anyway, so it, it looks, it, if you're coming from a, a discipline or, or a philosophy, uh, uh, where the, where the met, where the methodology is, is on the right, going early and shrinking the core and squeezing the baseline, it looks really bad. And, and you probably think, what in God's name are these Spanish kids doing? But to me, it's actually ideal. They're learning to take more steps. So you might say, well, why do I want to take more steps? You know, it's better to take less steps. And you're right. It is better as you get better, you get more advanced. But in the, the beginning years, it's better to teach a kid how to take more steps and manage those steps and measure those steps well and i have a saying where you want a young kid to learn how to be comfortable in all of the areas of the court and the court is not just the rectangle that's drawn out there the court includes the whole thing like the whole space uh what's a typical dimension for a court like 120 by 50 you know like like the, the feet you know, the entire dimensions, the square footage, square area there, not just the 78 by 36, which, so if you, if you like math, you know, most kids that I see from a lot of places in the U.S., a lot of places that have indoors, a lot of places where the courts are faster, and I'm thinking, you know, the typical um, culprits you have, like Australia, England, Northern Europe, Eastern Europe, unless they play a lot on clay in the summer months, some of the places do. Uh, California, lots of indoors in the U.S., think places like that. These are the kind of places I'm talking about. Uh, typically, the players uh, play like 70, the court is 78 feet length, if I'm not mistaken and 36 width so like the kids are shrinking the court to that or less like they're some kids will try to run as few steps as possible and they'll play like inside the baseline and they won't even move outside the court they'll take and and then they'll try to justify it to you and they'll say well i'm, I'm being aggressive you know i'm taking the ball on the rise here uh which is a bunch of bs i'm telling you you get a little kid in front of you Hope you guys are following me. I try, I try to put you on the court with me. You get a little kid in front of you. You don't want that little kid to shrink the court and take as few steps as possible to get to the ball. You want them to take, to, to learn how to play the entire space. And that may mean taking more steps, uh, which is also good for their physical, their, their stamina, their uh, conditioning. It's also good for their endurance, you know, to learn how to move and take cover more than necessary sometimes to cover the big space of the court um, rather than always cutting the court off diagonal, cutting the court off diagonal. Like, like Gilad always used to have the little ones cutting the ball off on the diagonal, which is a good skill to learn. But I think after you've learned the Equis and the Equis, 
is the classic movement on the chord from Spain, the movement pattern where you like you're drawing an X on the bass line and you learn to move on all the all lines of the X, you know. Uh, so deep on uh, deep V is sometimes it's called the inverted V or like the V you learn to go V movement backward and V movement forward. That's the X. If you guys have ever seen some of my drills or read my book, The Secrets of Spanish Tennis, we talk a lot about the X. And in Spain, the X was uh, originally a drill that was designed in the incredible, brilliant mind of William Pato Alvarez, very, very famous Spanish coach. Um, getting up in the years now, probably an octogenarian at this stage, but a really a brilliant coach whom I've had the honor, privilege of studying with on the court in Barcelona. The guy is uh, really has a really incredible mind and he came up with this idea of the X. So where you're moving forward on the half of a V to the forehand or backhand and then backwards on the half of a V. And that can be a very big X, hopefully bigger the better. I tell kids, I want you making a big X when you're moving, moving on, along these diagonals forward and backwards, but not always thinking uh, cut the ball off laterally, diagonally uh, to shorten the court. If you, if you can shorten it and effectively shorten it while still being consistent, that's good. But you should never try to shorten the court because you're A, impatient, B, lazy, like you don't want to move your feet, uh, C, trying to be hyper-aggressive in terms of attacking the ball. Young kids should learn patience. Young kids should learn the discipline of, move, of, of covering the, the big, big, big spaces of the court all the way to the outer reaches. The out, I think about like space, like going exploring the edges of the universe. To me, that's what a young kid should be doing. Uh, and learning, it, it tires them out, it teaches them how to take many steps to the ball and measure, and it helps them with all those other things I, I mentioned at the beginning of the show, uh, stroke, having more time to, to find a better position, that is to receive the ball between the hip and shoulder and out in front, so you have more time to position, more time to measure the shot, the ball, come the incoming ball, and more time to make an effective swing path, so more time to swing with good form, less less pressure and less uh, time stress, so you get better mechanics, and then typically you get better height and shape and spin when you let the ball fall rather than taking it hyper early. So, so it, all of these reasons kind of come together to, for me to be confident in the case to teach a kid to take the ball more at the top of the balance and on the fall when they're young. And that's how you deal typically with uh, moon balls or high balls, you move back. Now, there are, I think it's important for young kids to learn how to take the ball out of the air and to take the ball on the rise to deal with someone, uh, to deal with persistent moon ballers. So that's another, uh, I sort of box that into maybe into another category as a tactic or a strategy I, I teach my students, if someone's moonballing you or playing a lot of high balls, you can't always go back because it's kind of like a, a weakness, like you're giving up a lot of ground. And when an opponent sees that, they're going to start formulating patterns against you that are eventually going to hurt you. Um, 
like uh, deep high ball to swing volley, deep high ball to drop shot, deep high ball, deep high topspin ball to big forehand, deep high topspin ball to attack the net. There's like a bunch of patterns that you tend to see, especially in junior tennis, uh, built off of that high topspin. Uh, so if you so young kids do at some point that you, you know if you think about different boxes that you have to check off or work on, they do need to learn to take the ball out of the air to take away the moonballing play. They do need to t learn how to hold their ground and take the ball early. And they do need to learn how to take the ball early and squeeze time in order to be able to transition and move to the net effectively. So it's, it's definitely a s skills that need to be learned and tactics that need to be learned. But to me, not initially right away. It's not the most efficient way to do it. So I just think the way that Gilad used to do it maybe still does do it, was very brave and very stubborn, which Gilad is, <laughs> very stubborn guy, uh, but not the most efficient way. Like Gilad would just throw the kids into the, into the deep end of the pool and say, now, on the rise, early, let's go. And Gilad didn't teach a lot of defense either back in the day. Like in Spain, they teach a lot of defense. Anyway, I just think it's better, more efficient, better for the learning more efficient way to learn, to learn the ekis. You, you know, you, you teach a kid the ekis, the x, how to defend, how to, how to move back into the, into the deep recesses of the court. You know, I like kids to think that they can go back to the fence and they can play effectively from the fence if they have to. I'm not saying you want to be back there all the time, but a kid should know how to play back by the fence. And at the same time, a kid should know how to move into the court to cross the threshold of the baseline and attack by taking ground. So you have giving ground, going back on the fence. Sometimes that means going back all the way to the wall of the fence. And then taking ground is when you recognize a short ball, you move forward to it, you take it relatively early, and you take ground just like a, in a war or battle, you have one side, the soldiers are trying to take ground and capture, you know, to go to capture the next um, target, you know, to, to push the, the opposing soldiers back. So that's the attack. And there are times when if someone hits a tough ball to you or attacks you that you want to give, you don't want to run forward directly into your opponent's attack. And that's giving ground. So you have this flow of defense and offense. And that, in a nutshell, is the Spanish philosophy of, of positioning, court position. And, and there are related footworks that are associated with those different movements. But essentially, that's it. So for me, it's anathema. When I have so many young kids, I'd like to just maybe spend a significant amount of time trying to convince you guys that... If you see a kid who doesn't know how to play the X, and I see a lot of them, and they, they shrink the court so much that they, they're really not training their footwork and they really don't know how to move. They might take just one or two steps to the ball and they won't recover well. Like Part of moving a long distance away on the tennis court is that, is that you also learn that you have to get back well. You have to recover well. So there's just I just see countless kids... A lot of kids up here in the Northeast, you know, I'm in Vermont, I'm in New York, 
a uh, little bit less so in Florida because uh, when I'm coaching in Florida, you, you see kids who play uh, more outdoors and they play with bigger spaces in the back. That 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 matters sometimes. Uh, uh, there's no indoors down there really, and they play a lot on hard true clay. So you you tend to see more kids who are willing to run and willing to give ground and and uh, cover the space the space of the court better. But so many kids up here in the Northeast, you know, from indoor states and indoor clubs and you could go years and never i mean some coaches won't either philosophically will not let a kid go back like gilad used to never let me go back he always used to tell me to hold my ground or attack like there was no defense there was no going back and when i went to spain and saw that they were teaching kids to to defend back to the fence i just just blew my mind like i didn't even know how to process that i thought at first i thought it was totally wrong you know, just I thought it was ass backwards, li- literally backwards. Uh, no, no pun intended. And and uh, and I, I just thought it was strategically wrong. And then over the years, I I really uh, started to like that approach, especially as I experimented with it with young children, because I saw it was easier for them to be more consistent, easier for young children to rally, easier to build a base of uh, consistency if you teach a kid the ekis rather than teaching them to force, uh, to fight the ball, to force forward no matter what, you know. It's better to teach a kid to selectively go forward. Just like in the last podcast, we talked about selectively going to the net. Very good. Go to the net selectively. Be responsible. Be mature. Here is the same thing. You have to, like, teach the player. You, you build the foundation of the equis, full movement throughout the far recesses of the court, and then you give the player some decision, you help them with decision making and, and recognition, ball recognition. When, when a player can recognize shorter ball, opportunity ball, great, bam, that's the time to take ground and move to the, to the midcourt. Uh, and that may be a, uh, a transition opportunity to move to the front court, right? But but you want to give the player in the er- especially in the early years mastery of the back of the court, and that is the ekis. It's not just taking a couple steps, hugging the baseline, uh, hitting the ball off your shoelaces, and then a couple steps back, and you've moved a sum of I don't know how many feet, you know, six feet, couple couple six or eight feet, couple meters at at most. What I'm saying is you want to teach a kid to take many steps and really run over the entire space of that backcourt and then learn how to selectively and responsibly move to the, to the midcourt, pick a good shot to come in on, and then move responsibly, selectively, judiciously to the net and make a high percentage volley. Like to, This is the Spanish way. So this is why this show is connected. If, you, if you're interested in what I'm saying about the net, check out the last podcast that we just did where I talked about the Spanish way to attack the net. These, these shows are related. You know, they, they go together because how you move and handle the ball in the backcourt uh, and your court position is going to dictate and affect the, you know, the, uh, the opportunities and the decisions that you make in terms of moving forward to the net. So they're, they're, they're just intricately related. So... You guys kind of follow me. If uh, hopefully, if you have some knowledge of this, uh, of this, what they do in Spain, or you, you're familiar with some of the drills that they do in Spain for the X, the X drill, you can kind of visualize what I'm saying. I 
I should probably do a video on this and, and it would be e a little bit easier to see on the court where if you have a player start, I'll, I'll give an example. A player comes for a lesson and nine times out of 10, at least here in the Northeast, you know where they stand? They stand on the hash mark, the center mark or the baseline, right on the white line, or maybe even a little inside. And what's worse is now we have a lot of young kids who are playing red ball or orange ball for a long time. And I'm, I, I, for me, orange ball is a real downer. It's, it's just, it's like the lost years, the, the orange ball years. It just seems to be drawn out longer and longer by coaches and clubs who are stuck in the red, orange, green cult, which I, which I call it um, somewhat sarcastically, facetiously. The orange ball, uh, the lost years of the orange ball. So kids are, this is one of the reasons I really don't like the orange ball, for example, for talented kids who can move well, it stunts their movement. You have many athletic young kids. I have a couple of kids right now, five, six years old, seven years old. We're playing full ball, full yellow ball, uh, full court. And those kids are learning really good movement skills because I force them. I force them into the recesses of the court. I force them to the outer limits of the court. I force them, I challenge their movement and they have to take many more steps and recover longer distances. That's good for a young kid. It, when, if you want them to be a good mover, if you want to stunt a kid's movement, by all means, make the court smaller, give them balls that don't move fast, that don't bounce. And that's a great way to hinder the development of good movement and footwork. So that's my one of the big problems I have with red, orange, green. Uh, so you get a, I get a lot of kids coming to me from a yellow, uh, orange ball background. They haven't played much with the yellow ball. First of all, they don't know how to, like, um, they don't understand ball recognition, so they don't judge the balance of the yellow ball very well. And they, they don't know how to, they don't, they're not used to covering a lot of distance on the court. So those two things are really bad. Bad for the eyes. Imagine a seven, eight-year-old, you're not training the eyes very much and you're not training the feet very much. You're not building that much endurance because the kids are only running a small distance on that little mini court. You have many kids who, who um, they see the yellow ball bouncing and they run forward to it because they're so well, habit, their habit is, their habit, their habit is to always move forward because the orange, the stinking orange balls don't bounce, you know, especially orange balls that have been around uh, the club for a while in, in, a, in a cart. After a few weeks or months, those things don't bounce. So you get kids coming from an orange ball environment and they are just running forward all the time because they never have to defend because the ball never bounces. The ball never has any energy. It doesn't bounce high or deep. Uh, so they never even learn the X. They only learn, uh, take the ball early, take the ball early, move forward, move forward, move forward. But that's not real tennis. You know, you're teaching them half the movement patterns that they need. And it's a truncated half at that because the ball's not moving very fast and the court is very small. So if you want kids to learn good movement, I say yellow ball uh, that, that bounces, that moves full court, make the court bigger. Use a ball that's faster than a yellow ball. If they made 
sometimes I joke that if they made a purple ball that was faster than the yellow ball, maybe I'd break that out and use that with some young, young kids that I have because I really want to challenge their movement and make their, uh, improve their reaction, improve their eye, their tracking, their ball recognition, improve their recovery, you know, all these, all these things. Bigger court and faster ball is like an assistant coach for that, you know. The problem that I have, you know, the show's not about red, orange, green, but you put a little kid out there, you toss him a yellow ball, it bounces over their head. And the first thing a coach does, who's indoctrinated in the red, orange, green, is, is break out a slower ball for them. Don't break out the slower ball. Tell them to move their feet. Tell the player to read, recognize the ball, and then either move back or move forward or move left or move right appropriately so that they can learn how to position themselves well. Anyway, now I, I, to me it's common sense, but I'm telling you, I see dozens and dozens of kids and they stand right on the baseline. They come for a lesson, they get ready. No, no bouncy feet, no, no, no energized feet. So there's very little uh, excitability in the lower body. They, they stand flat-footed on the right smack on the white line. I know, I know exactly what's going to happen before it happens. No split step to get a good, you know, uh, drive to the ball. And then they move very lat with a lot of lackluster and you know energy to the ball. A couple steps, make a swing, and then a very lackluster recovery. Like that's the typical movement that I see from a lot of American kids. So there's technique that you got to teach them, but there's also just this bigger, what I'm trying to argue for, like this Spanish uh, philosophy, like this bigger point of view where you just say to a kid, hey, you're standing here. I need you to learn to run all over there, position yourself well, accelerate and make a good shot, and then get back to here. We call it the house, la casa, you know, like the, get back to your house, the center of the court, and then do that over there. And then do that here and sometimes here. And I need you to be able to do that without getting tired so you can't get winded. So you got to have good stamina, good conditioning. And, and you have to have good footwork to make adjustments as you're moving along that trail, wherever you're going, along that track. And you have to have patience because you're going to have to run and do that over and over again until... Your opponent makes a mistake or you get an opportunity ball where you can move forward and take ground. And, and usually from that position you can attack. But like those are the virtues young kids need to have. Those are the values young kids need to be taught. And I'm not seeing it with most kids. Not my students. spend a few years with me. And if, if you know any of my students who've been with me a long time, they have a certain look to them. They, they move, they cover the court with a nice flow. I have an online course that's very popular at my online school, which is clta.teachable.com. Some of you may have, uh, some of you may have even seen the course, or it's called hashtag flow. And I use that word very specifically, flow. My students, they learn, they learn how to flow you know, with rhythm and balance. They read well with the eyes. This is the Spanish way. You read well with the eyes, move the feet well, good positioning to the ball, 
good stamina, good endurance, good not only physical endurance, but mental endurance. So being a, a willingness to run to the ball. So many young American kids, they don't want to run. They don't want to run to the ball. You know, I'm reminded, I used to take a group of players to Spain to visit the now defunct Bruguera Academy. The Bruguera Academy has closed. Such a sad pandemic story. And it's sort of, recon a lot of the coaches have reconstituted themselves at the Bardot Tennis Academy, which is also in Barcelona now. But so a lot, of, so the, the Bruguera Academy has sort of uh, reinstituted itself in another form. But uh, the original Bruguera Academy has closed. I used to take players there for many years from, from the U.S. And one of the first things... Mr. Bruguera, Luis Bruguera would do, and it sounds kind of crazy, but he'd take the kids on the court and like toss them a ball way over there and toss them a ball way over there. Sometimes I do this with my students who are, I don't know, the kids who come for a lesson. Toss it like deep, far, and say, run. Run. And the kids looking at Luis like, He's got four heads, like he's a, he's a, in, just got out of an insane asylum, you know, because the word run for a lot of these American kids is like, no one ever, no one ever asked them to do that. They, they literally been moving like little bit of distance on the court, little bit here, little bit there, a few steps, rip the ball, miss, serve hard little bit steps, little bit steps, rip the ball, make it, yay, I'm such a good player. Then the next point, little bit movement, little bit movement, bam, 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 short, you know, short points. There are some kids who, whether through laziness or through coaching, the way the coaches have taught them philosophically, they literally can play a set and, and run as little as possible, <laughs> like run as few steps as possible. Now, at a high level, the famous you know, Pato Alvarez said, you always want to make your opponent run more steps than you. At the high level, when you've gone through all of the, all of the years of development, yes, you do want to make, you want to make fewer steps. <laughs> it's better to make fewer steps. That's why Rafa now is taking the ball a little bit earlier. He's trying to end points a little earlier. He's trying to save some of his, the wear and tear on his body, like for example. But when you're a little kid, you should not be trying to cut short your steps you should be learning how to move long distances on the court how to take many steps how to read how to track the ball well and this is a like very very critical skills to learn right hi you're coming for the show yeah. come here i'm about to finish up i'm on the tv show Guys, we have an extra special guest who just woke up from her nap. Come here, honey bear. You want to say hi to everyone on the show? Yeah. Hello. Hi. Guys, I think it was a pretty good show. Looks like I got my hands full here at home. This is baby Ocean. You okay? Did you have a good nap? Yeah. yeah? Do you like tennis? Yeah, we like to play tennis. This could be the one, guys. This is my fourth kid, and she likes tennis, and she's very fast. I'm going to teach her the Spanish way, how to move, how to play along the X. Going to have the best footwork of anybody, right, Osh? Yeah. 
Yeah. All right, guys, I think it's a good time to wrap up. If you have any questions, if you think I'm absolutely crazy that you should make kids run more, cover more of the distance of the court when they're young rather than less, let me know. How do you teach your young students? Do you teach them to take the ball on the rise like my old coach Gilad used to do? Do you teach them that they should always move forward? Or do you teach them a balance? Do you teach them to sometimes move back into the court? Do you, is that okay? I know a lot of coaches who won't even let their students move back in the court. Like that is a cardinal sin to move back deep in the court. But I don't think it is. What do you guys think? I mean, I'm up for, I'm up for the discussion and the debate. But in my opinion, little kids should be moving along the X, learning how to play defense as well as offense, and learning how to adjust their court position to the incoming ball with good ball recognition skills. And then on top of that great foundation, what you can do is you can teach them some uh, skills and tactics related to taking the ball on the rise, and that can be sort of another level of... Um, strategy that they can use depending on who they're playing. Like if someone's moonballing them, they can take the ball out of the air. They can take the ball on the rise and hold ground. But it's not like their only play. It's concerning to me if that's the only way a player knows how to, uh, how to move and position. It's just right on top of the baseline, nothing else. To me, that is, uh, that's not a good way to develop a young kid. Guys, it's been my pleasure. Ocean, you want to say bye-bye? You want to say bye-bye? Bye-bye. It's been a great show. Let me know if you have any questions. Let me know if you want to come train with me down in Florida. We're going to be down there in Fort Lauderdale, beautiful Fort Lauderdale by the beach. I'm looking forward to getting more and more kids down there and, you know, taking over the Northeast. Maybe it's time to take over Florida next with uh, the Spanish way of training. So hopefully I'll see you guys down there. If not, oh, we do have a very cool workshop coming up in January on the 17th, I believe it's Monday the 17th, it is a workshop with the philosophy of Tony Nadal, the philosophy of William Pato Alvarez, and the philosophy of Luis Bruguera. I call it like a kind of like a smorgas, like a Spanish smorgasbord, like a sampler. Uh, like a, I, I will bring out my sample tray of snacks and you can taste, have a taste test of different Spanish flavors. You have the Bruguera method, you have the Tony Nadal method. You have the Pato Alvarez method. Uh, so I, I talk about the course coming up. It's a day-long course for coaches and for players. We're going to have players at the club also training. We're going to do Spanish drills, different flavors of Spanish drills, and talk about different Spanish philosophies. So I think it's going to be really fun. We haven't done one of those since the pandemic hit. Uh, so now we're back with workshops. And they will be uh, PTR and USPTA certified for CEUs. So if you're a coach who needs CEUs, you can get your CEUs training uh, here in Manchester, Vermont with me learning about these different Spanish legends and their different philosophies. It should be really interesting to compare and contrast the big guns of Spanish tennis. All right, guys, my pleasure. Adios. God bless. I'll see you on the next program. We hope you enjoyed the program. Please give us a five-star review on iTunes and recommend the show to your friends. We greatly appreciate your likes and shares. Thank you for your support of the show and for helping us grow our audience. If you would like to train with Chris, please visit chrislewitt.com for more info. You can also join Chris's online school, clta.teachable.com, and follow his blog at prodigymaker.com. Thanks for listening and see you next time. Vamos!